Thank you, Jesus. Isn't God good? Isn't it great to sing about God's goodness together? Wonderful. You may be seated. Oh, it's so good to be in his house together, singing his praise with one another. It really is. There's nothing like being in the presence of God, giving thanks to him as his people. Oh, his love and his grace and his goodness is in this place. It really is. Lord, we thank you today. Your presence is here with us. We thank you. You are the healer. You are the deliverer. You are the savior. You're the one that loves us, gave your life for us. We truly do want to thank you. As we come to your word today, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're going to plant it into our hearts. It's going to grow. Our lives are going to be transformed and changed. And the work that you do, we're going to behold. We're going to see it. We're going to be amazed by it. Because greater is he that lives in us than he that's in the world. So we thank you today in these next moments as we listen to your word. As we allow you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us, we thank you that we will be aware of your work, your hand, your help in our lives. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, I'm excited today about this word because it's already been confirmed by Joseph. Really, really excited when um, Joseph started to just recite Romans chapter 12. I, I got excited because, again, God's just confirmed his word. It's already been declared, already been sent out into our hearts. And um, just before the service, I just mentioned to Joseph... Just, just, I want you to know this because it just, it just shows you how God wants to confirm things. Joseph came over. He said, Dave, I'm doing the prayer request this morning. I said, oh, Joseph, listen, can we do it another week? Can you, can you do it maybe next week or the week after? I tell you why. Because Faye is presenting a video. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Isn't that right, Joseph? So we had all of our plans set. No problem. Joseph was going to do the prayer request maybe another week. We're worshiping God, and man, the Holy Ghost. He just said, nah, you need to get Joseph up there. You need to get Joseph encouraging and exhorting my people. And um, I couldn't shake it free, so that's when you probably saw I went over to Joseph. Faye's looking at me, wondering if Joseph is coming up. <laughs> so this is all happening behind the scenes. And um, I go over to Joseph. I said, Joseph, listen, mate, can you do the prayer? Yeah, yeah, no problems. Up he comes, excited. What a great spirit he's got. Spirit of faith, fire in him. I love it. Absolutely fantastic. I tell you, it's wonderful to listen to people that got, have got the life of God in, in them. Because it, it stirs you up. It really does. 
And um, he started, when he started to recite Romans chapter 12, verse 2, I got really excited. Just like Dave recited um, f- the Word of God the, the other week, which was bang on line with what I was going to say on that Sunday morning. So now Joseph has gone and done it again. Because the Holy Spirit wants us to just know the importance of this word to us, where we're at today, to encourage us, to strengthen us, and to move our lives on. So in this series of messages that we've been looking at, Rethinking Your Life, this morning, in a few moments, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, because God by His Spirit has already gone ahead of us. In this verse, an incredible verse, set out by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans in Rome. In this verse, Paul wants to encourage believers not to be conformed to the world around them. There was a lot of pressure in Rome. There was was a lot of pressure that those believers were under in that culture. And Paul is encouraging them not to be squeezed into the mold, not to be influenced by the way of thinking all around them. But he wants to see them transformed by the renewing of their mind. That's what he wanted them to experience, transformation. This isn't a formula. This isn't a theory. This is an actual life experience, the transforming power of Christ's life in your life and in my life. And that is what Paul was wanting to make believers aware of in Rome. Let me read to you what Joseph has already read. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. These are amazing words. They're exciting words because Paul is showing us that our lives are never at a standstill. Our lives in Christ never come to a stop. There's always progress. There's always movement. There's always growth in our lives in Christ. Now today, in this place, you may be here and there may be areas of your life that may seem unfruitful. You may be disappointed by certain areas of your life because you are not experiencing growth in that particular area. Or it might seem locked up, closed down, and out of bounds. An area that once had great potential, an area that had growth, an area of your life that was really fruitful, over time has relapsed and it seems as if it's regressed to the point where now it's unfruitful and you've given up hope on it. Paul, the apostle, points out to us that great progress for our lives is just one thought away when God's behind it. Great thought, great, great progress, great advancement 
for your life can be but just one thought away. That area that you've relegated, relegated as hopeless, that area of your life that seems unfruitful, that area of your life that seems so unkept and disorderly, is but one thought away from great abundance, is one thought away from from great productivity, from great life. One word from God can change anything. Look back into Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. The scene there was chaotic. The scene there was barren. It was formless and void. The earth was formless and void, covered in darkness until God began to speak, until God began to declare his word and send his Holy Spirit. And that chaotic mass changed. That chaotic chaotic mass became beautiful. And the very handiwork of God, it can be like that in areas of our lives. We can look at areas of our lives, be really disappointed with who we are, with what we've become, disappointed. We struggle to get victory. We we struggle to get strength in an area of weakness. And we just abandon it. And it's off limits to us and anybody else. And God looks at it. And into that chaotic mass, into that area of our lives that seems so abandoned, God can speak. God can send His Spirit. And before you know it, it can be beautified and be everything that God has created it to be. This is what Paul is talking about. When he's encouraging these believers at Rome, he's saying, listen, don't get squeezed into the mold of this world. Don't get pressured and fashioned by their influences. No, your life is destined for transformation. Your life is destined for the glorious life of Christ to break out in all of its fullness and amaze you and amaze everybody around you. It's the handiwork of God in Christ Jesus. Paul talks about transformation, sudden transformation of life by the renewing of our mind. And as our minds are renewed in given areas of our life, everything is impacted positively. As we allow the Holy Spirit to address those old ways of thinking, those old patterns, those ruts that we've fallen into, as we allow the Holy Spirit to gently take us and readdress those areas of our lives and change our mind and change the way we think, everything about your life is impacted for the better. You'll feel better. You'll wake up better. You'll you'll walk through your day better and everybody about you and around you will experience the wonderful change and transformation of life that God has worked in you. This is the Christ life. 
It's none of you, none of me, and all of him. Galatians 2, verse 20, Paul says this, talking about this wonderful transformation. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Oh, what freedom, what glory awaits you and I as it awaited Paul. As Christ's life breaks open and breaks through all of the barriers that our limited life may have put up against it. His life breaks through and we become everything he has called us to be. Now the word transformed that Paul uses is where we get our English word metamorphosis. And Paul chose this word transform because it was the only word that could adequately describe the miraculous change that takes place in our lives and in our minds as Christ renews them. And one of the best pictures that illustrate metamorphosis is the process of transformation that a caterpillar goes through to become a beautiful butterfly. You know, when you place a caterpillar alongside a butterfly, you would never think that the change would be possible. You would never think that that little creature that crawls along the ground could ever be transformed to that glorious, colorful butterfly. You look at a caterpillar alongside a butterfly, And one doesn't resemble the other in any way, shape, or form. But that caterpillar, at a given point in its life cycle, is destined to become that beautiful, beautiful butterfly. Look at a caterpillar crawling on the ground. It doesn't have beautiful, intricate wings that are designed uniquely to fly. It's quite ugly, unappealing. It can't fly gracefully and effortlessly. It crawls along the ground, in the dust, bound to the earth. But as time goes on, as time passes by, that caterpillar goes through a process of radical change. It goes into a state of incredible and irreversible change. Irreversible transformation takes place in the life cycle of the caterpillar where it leaves behind its old form to embrace a new form of life. Goes into a chrysalis a place of inactivity. And it's ceasing to be what it has been to become what it's never been. Transformation that's breathtaking. Transformation that is miraculous is in that process, in that hiddenness within that chrysalis. Let's take a moment just to look at the screens, just to 
Look at this process of a caterpillar going into a chrysalis and being transformed into a beautiful butterfly. Take a look. incredible to see. Absolutely amazing. That process of transformation. Now Paul knew exactly what he was saying and what he was pointing to and pointing out when he used this word. Transformation. Because the moment that you ask Christ to come into your life, a work began by the Spirit, a work began that you have little control over. It's a transforming work. It's a powerful work. It's a work that changes you from glory to glory, that moves you through the stages of life to ultimately be like Christ in all of His Perfection. This is what Paul was simply pointing to when he said, don't be conformed to the world any longer. Don't be influenced or shaped by it. 
but be transformed. Experience this miraculous transforming metamorphosis of your life by renewing your mind. This is what happens. This is the miracle, the treasure within you, hidden, that's of God, that's not of you. Paul was talking about an inferior way of living that's holding us back, coming to an end in Christ. He was talking about Christ's life superseding anything that we've ever known or experienced. The old life and all of its old ways that are trying to hold us down and hold us back. He points to, he points out that we are shedding those old ways, shedding those old limitations and coming into the new life, the bigger life that's beyond our inferior life, the God life that we've been destined to live transformed gloriously to be like Jesus in all of his fullness. Now, Paul himself, the apostle, experienced this powerful transformation in his life that he spoke about in Romans 12. Paul wasn't just speaking to these believers, issuing out some formula, issue, issuing out some theory that he hadn't personally experienced himself. No, Paul himself had experienced the most wonderful transformation in his life. In Romans 7 and Romans 8, Paul puts his two life experiences side by side in each chapter. In Romans 7, he talks about, very honestly, his old life outside of Christ. And in Romans 8, he pictures his wonderful new transformed life in Christ Jesus lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 7, the Apostle Paul very honestly speaks about a time in his life where he was completely defeated unable to change who he was. He was doing all the things he could do in his own strength, but failing miserably, trying to obey God's laws and becoming bitterly disappointed by his efforts. His state of mind in Romans 7 is anxious and completely self-consuming. As you read Romans 7, you see that this man is not thinking well. He is not living well, and he certainly isn't free. Listen to his words, some of his words in Romans chapter 7. Romans 7, verse 19 to 24, Paul says this. Now, this is the great apostle Paul that wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. He says this about his life, very honestly and transparently. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. 
For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. That is a picture of great struggle, desperation and despair. Paul realized that his greatest problem was not outside of himself, but within himself, inside. And all the way through this chapter, his thoughts are negative and introspective, self-examining and critical. In this chapter, Paul uses the personal pronouns of I, me, and my over 40 times negatively. You talk about having a bad day. He was having a bad life. 40 times negatively, he refers to himself in self-critical, condemning ways. And there's over 20 references to the law and the commandments of God and how he can't obey them. So in despair, this apostle cries out for freedom. In despair, this man cries out for transformation, for a spiritual metamorphosis to take place in his life. And in verse 24 of Romans chapter 7, Paul is really at a crisis point, a standstill point in his life. Where he, can't, where he acknowledges that he can't. He can't do it anymore. He can't obey God's law. He can't fulfill it in his own strength. And he cries. Verse 24, these words. Oh, wretched man that I am. He's not pointing out to anybody else. The searchlight is on his own soul. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who? will deliver me from this body of death. And again, the, the words that Paul uses are very intentional, very exact. This phrase, body of death, in verse 24 that Paul used was a form of torture that the Romans used on occasions as a penalty to individuals who, who had been found guilty of murdering a person. What the Romans would do to that guilty perpetrator, they would, they would take the dead body, the murdered body, and they would strap it and tie it to the, to the guilty perpetrator who had taken that life. And that perpetrator would have to carry that body around with them day in, day out. Nobody was able to set them free from that punishment that had been imposed legally upon them. And as that corpse decomposed, it began to eat its way into the flesh of the one that had committed that crime. Paul is using that and applying that to his own life. He pictures himself as the guilty man unable to set himself free from the power of sin and history's hold on his life. 
And that's when he cries, who can deliver me? Who can set me free from this body of death? And in that moment, in that desperate cry, in that realization that Paul cannot do anything for himself in his own strength, in that moment comes one thought, a thought from God, a revelation from the heart of God regarding Jesus, his Savior. Verse 25, Paul says this, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What is he saying? Suddenly he's seeing that Christ, his Savior, is willing to set him free from the body of death, history's hold on his life. And from that moment of revelation, Paul gets set free, released from the weight of sin that he had carried about all of his life. That the law was condemning. He's transformed suddenly as he experiences the wonder of God's salvation. Miraculously, he's changed. And the change is irreversible. The old life goes and the new life comes. Paul no longer now focuses on what he can't do. His mind is filled with what Christ has done. His language changes. His thinking changes. His way of living is transformed. All of the negative pronouns that he'd used in Romans chapter 7, in Romans chapter 8, are gone. Because change has taken place. Listen to how he opens Romans chapter 8, and I know you know these words well, but there's a new language in the man's mouth because his mind is renewed and his life is transformed. Romans 8 verse 1, Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This man has been set free from self-criticism. This man has been set free from all of those self-condemning thoughts that he carried about in his life. Condemnation has been taken away in Christ. And the picture now in Romans 8 is completely different. There's no personal pronouns when you go through this chapter because there's only one person dominating it, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 7, Paul is defeated. In Romans 8, he's victorious. Life's pressures are greater. Life's pressures in Romans 8 are more severe. The challenges are bigger when you read the chapter as opposed to chapter 7. But this man is confident, thinking well, conquering, and living in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's life transformation. It's being born again. That's what it is. New birth has occurred, spiritual birth that's transforming this man's life. Romans 7, for Paul, nothing is working. If you ever felt as if nothing's working, you're banging your head against the wall. Well, the, the apostle Paul knew exactly how that feels. In Romans 7, nothing is working. Everything 
Paul does ends up going wrong. But in Romans 8, he's not trying to work out anything anymore because his trust is anchored in God. Romans 8, 28, Paul says this, And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That's a man that's transformed right there. That's a man that thinks bigger. That's a man that thinks way, way beyond the limitations of his own life. To the, to the wonders of God's life in him. Romans 7, Paul had brought up charge after charge against himself, concluding that he was in a wretched state. But in Romans 8, 33 to 34, Paul declares these amazing words. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? You talk about transformation. Paul couldn't even condemn himself now. Paul couldn't even find any charges against himself because he understood that Christ had taken that body of death, that sinful history that was bound to him, and it had been crucified with Christ on the cross. And he'd risen into new life in Christ. Who shall bring a charge? And that is a universal question. That question goes out into heaven. You talk about confidence. You talk about certainty in the work, the complete work of Christ Jesus. That question Paul poses universally in heaven, who can bring a charge against me? To his world, who can bring a charge against me? Into the depths of hell, who can bring a charge against me? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Romans 7, we hear the voice of a man who is very much alone dominated by a sinful past that he calls the body of death. And it's slowly destroying him. It's decomposing his life, his well-being, the way he's thinking. He's tormented in Romans 7. But in Romans 8, transformation by the Spirit has come. New life has broken through. And like he said in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I living now. The I is gone. It's Christ that lives in me. Listen to his words in verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. This man is no longer alone in life. This man is no longer trying to get by. This man is no longer trying to do everything he can do and failing miserably. Now, this man has come into the wonderful love of God and he realizes 
that every point in his future, he will never be separated from that immeasurable love of God in Christ. Paul's mind was renewed. His life was transformed wonderfully. He went from struggling and working, feeling defeated and anxious into a place of freedom and liberty. Oh, life got harder. Life was more intense. Life had bigger pressures, but now there was a new life enabling him to live his life amidst all of the changes and the pressures and the variances that were coming. Today, some of us may be waiting. We've been waiting a long time for areas of our lives to change, for transformation to break forth, to come through. The Holy Spirit is going to speak and is speaking a word into your heart. Life may be, I've said this numerous times over the last weeks, your life may be fraught with worry. And there's, you, you, hear, you actually hear the voice within you. You hear it critiquing your life. You hear it steering your life. You, and it's not the Spirit of God. It's that old voice of worry, that old voice of fear that's to have no place and no hold. And you've walked heavy laden. And it has been like a body of death on your back. I tell you, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is doing a new thing for you. The word to you, Matthew 6, Jesus' words, direct from his heart, his will for your life and for my life, for now and forevermore. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry. Talk about renewing your mind. Renew your mind in that. Do not worry. Every time that voice comes up to cause you to fear, to cause you to worry, you rise up in the newness of your mind and silence it in Jesus' name. You talk about transformation. You talk about peace. You talk about new life. You talk about joy. A new opportunity coming your way as a result of just embracing that. Could be an area that you've struggled in and you've just given up on. You think, man, I just can't crack it there. Could be finances. It could be habits in your life that bring shame. Very real. And you've tried in your own strength. You've disciplined yourself. You fasted that Mars bar you were going to eat. And you prayed. And your intentions have been good. Your intentions have been noble. But then suddenly you've fallen again. Well, God hasn't finished yet. He hasn't. We may be in areas of our life just like that ugly green little caterpillar crawling on the floor, unable to fly. But I tell you, according to the Word of God, you're destined for bigger things.
You're destined for bigger things. You're going to be victorious in areas that today you may be defeated in. You're going to see the glory of God in areas where today you may be covered with shame. If you just follow him humbly, walk in his ways, and allow him to lead you, there's going to be a moment, a transforming moment, where you're going to go into that place of chrysalis and great transformation, great transformation is going to take place. Like Isaiah said in Isaiah 40, those that wait, 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 just wait and see. But I want it now. I want to be victorious now. Wait and see. Just wait. You go into that place of waiting, into that chrysalis of inactivity, and suddenly it'll be one new thought empowered by God in your mind that'll break free all of those wonderful potentials that are hidden and locked away, and transformation will take place. It really will. It's how it happens. We could go around the room this morning and we could all testify of moments, moments of breakthrough, moments of transformation. And in the majority of cases, it'll, it'll always be a, a thought, a word, his still small voice bringing life where there is death, making fruitful areas that are unfruitful. A few weeks ago, the Holy Spirit said to us, make room for the new. Be making room for it. Make room for the new. New things in your life, new opportunities, new relationships. Don't pass it by. Don't let it go. Take hold of it. Make room for the new. Those barren areas of your life, they're going to be productive. They're going to bring forth life. They're not going to be characterized by death. They're going to bring forth life. Make room for it. Get ready for it. Be willing to embrace it when it comes. And transformation will come. I'm going to pray right now. For each of us, I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to finish in just a moment. For some of us this morning, the Holy Spirit is going to silence once and for all that cold, critical, condemning voice that has us under its heel. It's going to stop today. Today's the day where he is going to deal with it, with his power. He's going to just set you free. And that voice is not going to have any kind of prominence beyond this day. I tell you that now. He's going to deliver you. And then, after that, you're going to have to discipline yourself accordingly in, in the way that you think. Okay? 
I'm going to share a, a testimony with you in a couple of weeks' time where God delivered me from fear. Delivered me, I tell you. Powerful deliverance in my bedroom, away from everybody. A powerful, powerful deliverance. I may share it the week after next because we've got Stephen Matthew next week. Woo! It's going to be fantastic. Listen, get here. Bring your friends. Steve, I was chatting to Steve earlier in the week. He has got an amazing word for us as a church. It's really, really encouraging. So be here. Bring your friends. Or if you're, if you're not uh, able to attend, listen, watch online. Watch it online. Tune in on that morning and watch it online, whatever you do, because it's going to bless you. But maybe the week after, I'm going to share a testimony about when God delivered me years ago now, from fear, from worry, and from that cold, critical, condemning voice. He delivered me. It was on a Tuesday night, about 8 o'clock. But after that deliverance, and up until this day, I've had to discipline my mind. You see, God delivers you, but I've had to discipline my mind. Now, when I don't discipline my mind, I get into trouble. And I'm telling you, from, from when he delivered me to this point, there's been lots of times where I have not disciplined my mind. I've, I've told you, and I tell you this honestly and openly to help you. We're in this together. I've let, sometimes I've let my guard down and fear comes in, man. He'll have me for a day. It will have me for however long I allow it to have me. Sometimes it's had me for a couple, well, maybe not a couple of months. It's certainly had me for about three or four weeks. And then I go to God, <laughs> please, please. And, you know, I mean, God will talk firmly and frankly with you. Come on. Believe my word. You've been set free. Get up. And he delivers you, and you go on again. But you've got, to, you've got to discipline, discipline your mind. It's a combination of divine deliverance, and we participate in that by disciplining our mind. We'll get to that maybe week after, week after next. Some of us today, maybe, we're going to experience deliverance, deliverance, and then Next week, those thoughts are going to come thick and fast again. And it's going to be reining them in, disciplining your mind, subduing them, and bringing them to a point of obedience to Christ. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray right now. Could be other areas this morning we're going to cover. We're going to pray. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to just... Set free, bring transformation, and change the way that we think in areas of our mind. Holy Spirit, we ask you right now to help us, to help us think in the way that glorifies you and transforms our lives so that we may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God.
for our lives. I pray for every person here this morning, anybody that is hearing moment by moment that cold, self-condemning, critical voice, I pray, Holy Spirit, now by your power, you would silence it right now. You would bring deliverance that a great stride would be taken today in our lives, that that voice would be silenced and as we experience your, dis, your, your deliverance, we would then discipline our minds to think in the way that you want us to think. That we would experience this wonderful, transforming life that you've destined us to live, the new life in Christ. We thank you that you spoke through Joseph and confirmed this word. Lord, I thank you that you have spoken to us this morning and directed us. And Holy Spirit, now we ask you that those areas of our lives that may seem out of bounds, off limits, locked up, pray that you would go there and that you would brood over it like you did when you came to the world and it was a chaotic mass you brooded over it. You incubated it with your power. You incubated it with your presence. And though it was void and had no form, when God spoke, your power was released and beauty unfolded. We just pray, Lord, that it would be like that in areas of our lives. You've been brooding over those areas for a long time. We may have left them. We may have given up on them, but you've been brooding over those areas of our lives for a long time. And we ask by your power, as the word of God is spoken, great fruitfulness, great beauty would erupt and come forth in those very places that have formerly been hidden and unproductive. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be here this morning. You've never asked Jesus into your heart. A miracle can begin today. If you place your trust, your faith in Christ, a miracle will begin. He died on the cross but not only did he die on the cross, God raised him from the dead on the third day. When we place our faith and our trust in that, a miracle takes place. Christ lives in our hearts. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. That's what Paul did in Romans 7. He said, I need deliverance. I need setting free from my past. And suddenly he encountered wonderful life deliverance in salvation. God's salvation through Christ in his life. Today you're at a point in your life where you can't separate yourself from your past. But Jesus can cut you free from it and you can experience wonderful life salvation. I'm going to pray right now. And as I pray... Why don't you open your heart and place your faith, not in what you can do for your life, 
place your faith in what Jesus has already done and experience his wonderful new life, changing your life. Let's pray. Pray with me. When you say this, just to help you today, place your trust and your faith in Jesus. Say this, Jesus, I ask you today for this salvation, this gift of new life in my life. I call on your name right now, Jesus. I want to experience salvation. Forgive me of my sin. You died on the cross for me. And I believe that you rose from the dead. I accept that. I believe it. And I ask you that I would now experience your wonderful love. And from this moment, every day, I would walk in this new life that you have promised. Thank you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, a miracle's already begun in your heart. Before you go, if you're here, you prayed that prayer on your way out, we would love to give you a, a free Bible to help you on your way and a little booklet of testimonies from people in this church that have prayed and seen God do incredible things in their lives. Or if you're watching on the internet this morning, listen, we'd love to send you a Bible, send you a booklet. People accept Christ every week from this place, and we're able to send out Bibles. What a joy it is. We'd love to, to gift you a Bible and bless you along your way. Why don't we stand this morning? Are you ready this, this morning to sing before we go? And listen, when we go out next week into our world, into all of the various situations that we are going to be out in, let's remember to reach out with that love that we can never be separated from. Reach out to those who are around us that need God's care and God's love. Let our lives, Lord, be that aroma. Let our lives, Lord, be that message of good news and transformation. Amen.